Hello, and welcome back to the Marvelous Cinema Podcast for our Christmas special. <laughs> Ooh, we've got a Christmas special. Jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> Coming to your homes this Christmas, lockdown Christmas. Yeah. Um, to talk about Christmas films, what else? <laughs> Share our love for them. <laughs> I am your co-host, Matthew. I am your other co-host, Henry. And let's, let, let, let's have some fun with these. Yeah, we're just going... For our favourites, aren't we? Mm-hmm. I've got I've got six films written down. Mm-hmm. I think you have more. Uh, yeah, I have ten for some reason. Because <laughs> yeah. in my mind, for some reason, I've got a really bad memory, and in my mind, we said like a ranking from like ten to one. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I think that's how my mind did it. Um, but yeah, I've got ten, and it all kind of ranked from mm-hmm. last to favourite. Cool, cool. Well, it, it is the way we've done it in the past, so I think we can let your mind off. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine aren't ranked, but they're basically sort of my top six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, would you like to kick us off? You have the honours. Yeah. Um, so my last one, my dead last, the terrible Christmas movie. <laughs> um, I know, I enjoy all of these. These are all various margins of I enjoy this a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, my last one, number 10 for me, is The Holiday with um, uh, Jude Law and Cameron Diaz um, and Jack Black, I think. Yeah, um, I'm vaguely familiar with it. I think I have seen it, but I don't remember it particularly well. Yeah, it's it's a movie that... It's weird because every year that I watch it... And this is why it's last, but I still really like it. But every year I watch it, I kind of like it less. Um, oh. Yeah, it's a weird one because... It's still up there with, like, I watch it every year. But every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, I forget that I don't like these certain parts. Um, and I think my big criticism of it is that it's, like, it's two and a half, it's two, like, two hours, 15 minutes, and it doesn't need to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's not even that, like, the movie kind of is boring or anything like that. It's more just, like, there are so many scenes in that movie where I'm, like, you can end the scene here and it's much more impactful. <laughs> like, I mean, I know it's a bit like, ooh, a bit up your own arse, <laughs> like whatever, to be like, it screenwriters, whatever, um, books or whatever, tell you to like, you know, make a scene as short as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like a principle to go by, but I can't help but think this is a prime example of like a film that doesn't do that. <laughs> I mean, there's so many scenes and they kind of annoy me every time where Cameron Diaz, especially, just kind of talks to herself about what he's thinking and what he's feeling. And it's kind of like, I, if Cameron Diaz is a good actress, I feel like she can just relay this all to me with, with like actual emotion and not screaming at me about why she's sad or lonely. You know, it's one of those like, just let this breathe for a minute. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do still enjoy this movie a lot. And I do think, um, have you seen it before? Like, at all. Yeah, I have seen it. I know it's on TV a lot. It's one of the first ones they sort of bring out when Christmas rolls around. Yeah, it's... It's when they just sort of throw in on ITV2. Yeah. At the start of December and then replay it towards the end. Yeah, yeah. I saw it last night, I think, on ITV2 as well. Um, yeah, it's just one of those films where it's so heartwarming and so lovely, and it's based off yeah. a, a Nancy Myers book, I think. Awesome, um, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, you know, the... What do you call it? Movie in the Notebook, I think. Oh, is she? I I think I've, never, I've never actually seen the Notebook, and that's one one hell of a confession to bring out at Christmas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, she writes very kind of 
overtly romantic novels. Like, there's nothing, um, I don't know, subversive or whatever you want to say about them. They are they are just purely high, like top quality of pure, you know, romantic books, stories, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the holiday is a perfect example of that sort of story messed well with Christmas. Yeah. Um, it's not just a love story. It's also kind of like a family coming together. It's also people kind of like leaving their past behind them and kind of moving forward with new interests that are much more healthy for them. And even though I did just complain about it, I think there are some moments near the end where people are screaming about what they're thinking and feeling that really just land really well. Um, and yeah, I think I also want to say that Jack Black is really underrated as a, as a romantic lead. <laughs> it's weird because Jack Black is... You would never think of him as like a romantic anything. Like you think he was like a primarily ca- uh, comedic actor, don't you? Yeah, it's over kind of... the top, bounding in, mm. screaming, yeah. kind of. Even in um, I think yeah, King Kong, which he plays like a director, kind of half serious character. Um, even that was kind of like rejected by everyone that watched it. And for me, aside from like one or two lines, I was always like really impressed by him for doing that, and in my opinion, at least, like doing it well. Um, and again, here I think he's definitely underrated as a, as a romantic lead because he does he doesn't pretend to be like charming. If that makes sense, <laughs> um, he doesn't do that classic thing with actors do where uh, they put on like that weird kind of fumbling but kind of charming attitude. And he just Jack Black does this thing where he just brings in his Jack Blackness into it and like just and just does like you know guitar sounds and musical cues with his mouth for like however long until the girl goes he's all right <laughs> um yeah i think he's underrated in that um but yeah i do really like this movie and i do recommend it as a pure romantic rom-com christmas adventure thing mm. um it's, it's yeah. also one of the ones that sort of stands alongside another film that i'm sure we're gonna get to talk about and it mm. sort of gets played like on itv2 itv3 during the year generally as well yeah, it comes back every once in a while, <laughs> just randomly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's like a yeah, and you know it's good when they play it because like, they always play it at the start of Christmas, so that they can also get it in close to Christmas as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which you I know think... it is a testament to if you made a Christmas film if that happens. Yeah. It yeah, it's definitely one of those kind of like it's always on on December, <laughs> like. <laughs> It's made sure that they've got time for the holiday, you know. Yeah, and I think it's like it's like one of them ones that where you don't you, you know you don't have to buy the DVD or the Blu-ray because it will be on. Oh yeah, definitely. It's yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think even I think more as time goes by, I hear more and more people saying that is their favorite Christmas film, which I was was surprised by because I always thought it was kind of a not a, a lesser film, but like kind of a not everyone's favorite but people watch it anyway kind of thing same um, I, I always thought it, sorry i always thought it was one that people liked but didn't overly like yeah that's what i thought as well um but it turns out it's some people's favorites and uh, that's pretty cool <laughs> very nice if there's one thing we know on this podcast it's every movie's someone's favorite <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly but mm-hmm. uh, what a life mantra in fact Mm-hmm. That's actually a pretty banging tagline. I know, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> no, I'm writing that down. You've, you've, you, you may have live on the podcast, you may have actually encountered our new tagline. Oh, I'm just too good at this, you know. You are. You know, people say I'm bad at my 
everything I do. Well, you're wrong. I do taglines. <laughs> you do. You absolutely you come out with an absolute blinder there. I'm not joking. I've go... written that down. If you see that on the Instagram soon, I can tell you're taking. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Do you want to move to your next one? Um. We can do, or I don't know if you want to do another one because I've got six and you've got ten, so I don't know if you want to space it out a bit more. Uh, yeah, I can do, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, my next one. Uh, this might be somewhat controversial, but mm-hmm. I don't think it is. But Home Alone 2. Um, Interesting. I do... It's weird because every time I watch it, I go, this isn't as good, and this is what I don't like in sequels. Where it's Number just two is this... the one in New York, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's not, you know, the third one where they changed the actor and the fourth one where it's made a TV movie. Um, but, yeah, it's Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, I think it's called. Um, it's, it's odd because it, there are parts of it that I kind of prefer to the first one. Um, mm. I really love the idea of Duncan's uh, toy store and the two doves and the bird lady thing. Um, um, and I also think that Kevin gets like uh, it gets more kind of a well-rounded character in this one where he's actually like a competent kid from the start but that's also kind of a problem with the movie because he doesn't at all grow in this movie <laughs> it's just the same thing again um but I still watch it every Christmas and I still really love it and I think it has alongside the first movie I think it has some of the best like last scene before the end credits snow if that makes sense like um <laughs> I feel like a lot of Christmas films do that, where it's not snowing the entire time until the day of Christmas, and it's epic, <laughs> you know? Um, and I feel like Home Alone does that best. Whenever I see the snow, I go, that's, like, the best snow I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and they record this in, like, summer, you know? Um, so, yeah, and I think it's a really it's a really good movie. Not, I wouldn't say a great movie for me. I'd just say it's, it's kind of what I don't like in sequels, which is when you do the same thing again but with a new coat of paint so it's like oh it's kevin lost he's kevin home alone but this time he's in new york um and it's just the same plot again until the very end and weirdly i think one of the funniest things about this movie is that instead of being defensive um like in the first movie where kevin defeats the the bandits whatever um by the bandits yeah, the the I think they call it the wet or the sticky bandits in, in the second one, but there's he's kind of like defending his home, and he's kind of defending him from getting harmed, and it kind of justifies all of his like really so like sadistic games that he's playing with <laughs> these criminals. Um, so this doesn't come off as mean. In the second one, he's just mean. He's just so mean to these criminals. That I feel bad for them. Feeding um, the uh, the jigsaw conspiracy theories. Yeah, exactly. It's the second one that really makes that one that theory kind of come alive because <laughs> in the second one, it's not like he's defending himself from being attacked. It's more like he goes out of his way to attack the the <laughs> the, um, the robbers. <laughs> so like he overhears them saying, "We're going to rob this uh, toy store at uh, like midnight this day," and he goes. You know, what I, you know what I need to do now? I need to just fuck with them, you know? Because <laughs> he, he, like, goes to them, and he just says, hi, hi guys, and then throws, a, like, a rock through the window, and then takes their photo whilst they're, like, steal, stealing 
uh, whatever. And they just tortured them. But this time around, I think it's a sequel thing where they said, we've got to up the, the stick, the slapstick humor, whatever. So, like, it starts out with, and it's hilarious because, like, it happens so many times. Kevin just throws bricks from a big building all the way down onto their heads. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, this is incredible that they've done this. <laughs> like, just out it, and out of violence. <laughs> Yeah, like, do you know this, like, the last, like, kind of slapstick, slapstick humour part of the movie? I remember the brick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I have such a poor recollection of the Home Alone films. Really? Because um, I never, I know, it's, they're not ones that I watch every year. Oh, really? No, it's it's just not, it's just not one of the ones that I ended up watching or taking to. You definitely need to. Because <laughs> it's, like, it's like the core group of films that I'm going to mention for this podcast. Mm-hmm. But, so films like there are a lot of classics or things that people think are classics that I tend to just some, sometimes obviously some Christmas I do watch them but some mm-hmm. Christmas I just, I just don't end up watching them yeah which is super weird yeah that's fair enough um, I mean and Home Alone is just one of them it's one that I keep seeing bits of <laughs> yeah like on TV because obviously it's Christmas the, I mean especially on Christmas week Mm-hmm. And with Home Alone being PG, somehow, God yeah, knows how. No idea how. I mean, they're, t- they're probably pretty teetering on an R rating. Yeah, almost. <laughs> In fact, there's probably an R rated edit somewhere. Some at weird some... fans decided to add CGI. <laughs> at some point, Kevin says, fuck Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> like, leaving a, a, an alley, alleyway full of robbers' bodies. And... Yeah, I mean, Home Alone. Free the real Home Alone free. It's gonna be great. <laughs> release, release the uh, release the culking cut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, anyway, yeah, it's it's one that I just sort of I see bits of, particularly the first one. And the main thing I know about the second one is that it has Donald Trump in it. Mm-hmm. Like two yeah, seconds. Yeah. It's um it's a moment because I remember whenever I watch it with people that don't know this, it's like a moment of like. Oh fuck! It. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like the point of the movie, they've ruined it. <laughs> yeah. It's always it's always the thing though. The, the, the celebrities they end up putting in films like this always end up being controversial later on. I mean, obviously, it's always been controversial, but yeah. I doubt you know when they're saying let's get Donald Trump for a cameo. I doubt they're aware that he would probably become yeah. president of the United States unless they didn't know. And there's all a plan. <laughs> Trump's planning it since then. I think this is the start of my move for the White House. I want to. I want to, but Yeah. Um, I think a big big example of that is um, I think it's in the Naked Gun movies. And they put as like a subplot Audrey Simpson in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's in it for ages. And it, the entire joke is he's too nice to be a killer. <laughs> I know that just not oh it's just not gone down well. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane, and I kind of I can't help but laugh at it. <laughs> if anything, it's made it even better. Yeah, it's really. But obviously, hasn't because somebody died. Yeah, but I just to realise that after I said it. <laughs> the sake of this joke, it's made it sadistically. Yeah. Out of humour, but obviously, it is horrible what happened. It definitely made it a product of his time. Mm-hmm. Dated it horribly. Yeah. <laughs> One more, too. It's 
it's a very good movie. I, I wouldn't say it's the first movie by any stretch. It's mm-hmm. kind of just it reminds me a lot of Harry Potter two, um, mainly because it's the same director, Chris Columbus. Um, oh, yeah. and I have a Chris Columbus film on my list for today. Oh, interesting. Uh, um, but yeah, it's just like it reminds me of uh, Harry Potter the second one because it's it's kind of just the first movie again, but with a new coat of paint. Um, and that's kind of it. Um, and I don't hate them uh, or hate the idea by itself. I think they handle it pretty well in the second Home Alone movie. But yeah, other than that, it's it's just a very good one that I watch every year, but I don't particularly love love, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah. 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 Um, should, I, should I do my first one? Yeah, go on. So this is a controversial one. What a one to start with. Mm-hmm. But this is one that uh, this this Christmas uh-huh. um, we we watched. We sort of sat down. It's the first time my dad saw it. Me and mum saw it at the cinema, and we decided that we really liked it, despite uh-huh. the fact that it was absolutely panned. Oh, uh, the film is Last Christmas. Oh, the um, Amelia Clark. Mm-hmm. I saw this film. <laughs> yeah, I think we might even have mentioned it on the podcast like, last Christmas when this first came out. Yeah, well, my have, yeah. Um, yeah. Basically, I'd like to start with by saying that when I watch a Christmas film, or when I think about a Christmas film, I sort of judge it with a completely different lens to what I would judge a normal film. Same, honestly, yeah. <laughs> there is so much more you're allowed to do in my mind in a Christmas film that you're not allowed to do in other films. Yeah, totally. Stuff that I would normally hate, fine, just do it. I don't okay. care, it's Christmas, Christmas magic. Yeah, <laughs> and this is one of the this is one of those examples. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler warning for the film. It came out a year ago. Yeah. Wait, maybe even two. Was it? I thought. Oh, it might have been actually. Yeah. Oh my god, I can't remember. No, no, it would have been a second year because we only, we only did the podcast. Yeah, second. we did. Because I, I explicitly remember mentioning this on the podcast. Yeah, it was definitely second year. I think. Last Christmas. <laughs> 2019. It was last Christmas. Right, okay. We won't be able to say that next year. <laughs> Guys, it's the one time we're going to do this joke. <laughs> we're going to milk it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, I think this is a film is infinitely better on rewatch. Really? Okay. I've only seen it once. Yeah, because you watch it the first time, and like I said, spoiler warning, you come to the twist and... It was revealed that Henry Golding's been dead all along and mm-hmm. he gave him his heart because it was a transplant. Mm-hmm. And you're watching it the first time and you think, really? <laughs> We're doing this. Yeah. You've taken the song a little too literally here. <laughs> but upon rewatch, knowing the twist, I think it makes it infinitely more sweet. Really? Okay. Yeah, personally. People mm-hmm. might disagree. Again, Christmas lens. <laughs> yeah. Christmas tinted goggles. Yeah. <laughs> are firmly on. Um, and I just enjoy it for what it is. And I just enjoy the banter between Amelia Clark and Henry Golding. Mm. They have wonderful chemistry. There's a lot of just oh, perhaps sickly sweet romanticisms in it, which, mm. you know, critics behind the big desks at the a magazine or uh, media outlet thinking, oh, no, we can't be having this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I understand why it was panned. Mm-hmm. 
but I just I just find it so endearing. Yeah, it's I... just so sweet. It's just made by people. You can tell they're thinking it's a Christmas film. Let's have fun. And it's also one of the first films I've sort of seen, one of the first things I've seen, where you can tell that Amelia Clark's having fun. Yeah, she's very rarely having fun, isn't she? <laughs> like I feel like she's an, she's an actress that is incredibly talented, mm-hmm. but has been perhaps marred by being overlooked in things or maybe not having the right project. The biggest example being Terminator Genesis. Oh, yeah, definitely. And even though I, I never watched Game of Thrones, I do feel she kind of got shafted with the ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a popular opinion, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I just... You know, I just feel like they're enjoying themselves, which is one of the main things. Mm-hmm. And it has nice sing along at the end and Yeah. Oh, it's just nice. I mean it's not it's not even though it is in this list, it's probably not like an all time classic for me. Mm-hmm. But it's one that I enjoy at Christmas and I've enjoyed this year and I wanted to mention it because I feel like it maybe deserves a bit of love this Christmas. Do you think you'll come back to it like every year? Maybe. Same? Yeah. If it's on then we'll watch it. Like if it's on a streaming service mm-hmm. this time next year, then we'll, we'll we will watch it. But I don't think it's one we're going to go out and buy. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That makes sense. It's kind of like it could become the new holiday, you know? Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> I can see that happening. Yeah, I, mean, I, I I don't think it'll have that level. Mm-hmm. I think it will yeah. always have the aspect that it's perhaps critically not the best film. Yeah. I guess. Whereas I think you could get you, that that kind of stigma isn't with Holiday as much. Mm-hmm. I think also Holiday has more, you know, big Hollywood stars in it. So it kind yes, of... it does. It's... Yeah. Whereas other than maybe Amelia Clark and Emma Thompson. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you don't have those big stars in this. Other than maybe, obviously, you have George Michael's music. Mm-hmm. Uh, because while I love Henry Golding, he's not like an A-lister yet. I think he will be. Give it, give it five years. I think he probably will be. He's on his way. <laughs> yeah, but at the yeah. moment he's he's not, and it has a lot of like, um, you know, you, you know what I mean. I say like the British actors that you just see in everything. I, I know what you mean, definitely. <laughs> like you, you you see them and you think, oh, I know them. I don't know where from, but I know them. Yeah, everyone that's in a movie that's based in London will be in a movie at some point. Oh yeah. Yeah. And also, it has. Um, I just remembered the woman that owns the shop. Mm-hmm. Oh um, yeah, where was she? Michelle Yeo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's pretty famous, I think, isn't she? I think she was a Bond girl once. Yeah, she was. She Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, that as well. Yeah. She start Star Trek Discovery as well. Oh yeah, I saw two episodes of that, and I forgot about it. <laughs> you watched the half first half of the first one. Mm-hmm. I've heard mixed things on it. Some people, some people love it. Some people hate it. Yeah. She's also with Guardians too. I had a sneeze, but not really. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, I think see, I think Star Trek Discovery is kind of a half wishy washy kind of thing. People mm. aren't loving it. I don't know. I don't think so. Anyway. Apparently, there's some animosity t- towards the writer. Really? Um, Kurtzman. Oh, the the guy that made made Spider Man two. Was it, did he? I think so. Yeah. If Alex Kurt Alex Kurtzman Alex, Alex, Alex Kurtzman, yeah, he's one of um. I think he's one of the JJ Abrams lot. Yeah, he's part of that crew when he made 
admittedly, he has done good things. He's done like Star Trek and the second one, and then I think some other good things as well. But then you know, oh. then well, he, had, he directed like, the Mummy. Yeah, and then, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, he directed the Mummy. He was like, he reminds me a lot of um, Simon Kinberg, who is he's at some point you know produced or written some pretty good things, but for the most part make some pretty bad things and then all of a sudden he just gets to be a director <laughs> and he made a pretty bad film yeah yeah he's made he's had quite a varied sort of track history uh started writing for like your classic tv shows like xena mm-hmm. warrior princess alias which i think is jj abrams yeah that, that's jj abrams yeah yeah um what else we got legends of Zorro, mission impossible 3 transformers Oh, oh, yeah, he did, yeah, he the did. The writer on the Star Trek. Yeah. Reboot, Avengers of the Fallen, mm-hmm. Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah. The Fringe, which is another J.J. Abrams thing. I think he's only good when he's with J.J. Abrams. I know. Into Darkness. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, we've got all that. Yeah. Anyway, what are your thoughts on Last Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think I liked it. I think again the same thing with you were saying before, with, like the Christmas goggles. Um, there, were, I think there's one scene that I definitely knew that I loved. It was like, and I that like was a main point for me. And I was like, that was a great scene. And it was like, I think is I think they're in an apartment, Henry Golding and Emilia Clark, and like they're both kind of like lying on the floor. I think, mm-hmm. and they're having this really long conversation about about something. I just never like. That that's a great scene. In it yeah, it's a wonderful scene. It's so it's so charming and mm. you get a bit of feel from it, you know. Yeah, it's um, it was definitely my highlight of the film. I think that was what made me kind of stick with it, even though I was, even though I enjoyed it all the way through. It was more kind of like this is kind of like we're bringing, we're not quite doing as well, but we're still bringing back those old rom com from the early two thousands, but into mm. two thousand nineteen. So it was like we're bringing back kind of like a love actually kind of thing we're bringing in some holiday we're bringing in some like you know Nancy Myers sort of vibes into this a new Christmas film that hasn't been made for a while I don't think there's been that many new uh rom-com Christmas films that have been actually good <laughs> you know like yeah I don't uh, think any have been none have been well received anyway yeah and for me this one I would say is at least good I enjoyed it um and I do think at the end of it I know that you've mentioned I think my favorite character, at least, was the Emma Thompson character, um, just because she was really—I think she was having a lot of fun with that. And I feel like Christmas movies, especially these type of rom-com movies, are just, for the most part, actors having fun in a weird way. I think mm. it has like that Mamma Mia effect where you're just watching people on the island be drunk, <laughs> um, so you know you kind of just enjoy it because mm. it's that fun and it's so and like infectious. Um, yeah. yeah it's, I enjoyed it mm. a lot. It's one of the things that if, if I ever actually make it in my career, one of the things I want to do is a Christmas film. Yeah, definitely. And also, you know, you get a bit of leeway with the critics. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would you like to do your next one? Uh, yeah. Um, right, so my next one is maybe, again, quite a controversial one. Is it a Christmas film? We don't know. Um, Lethal Weapon. Oh, very, very cool. Very good. I see. It's, again, it's still like, on a lower tier of these films. I still watch it every Christmas, and I still really, really, really like it. Um, but I think it has an element to me where it's not quite P 
pure Christmas, you know. Like I always watch it early on December rather than later on December. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I understand what you mean. Like you have the ones that ease you in. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some that I'll get to that are you know the day before Christmas <laughs> sort of level. Um, but yeah, Leaf Weapon for me is an amazing kind of movie that I can't quite believe got made but i think it could only be made in the 80s <laughs> uh, because i i think whenever i watch a film it's kind of this weird thing where for the first like half an hour i always wonder like when is this film getting heartwarming i, I forget <laughs> when that happens because the film starts out with like this this um very like hard-boiled kind of detective noir story and it's quite it includes vietnam kind of backstory as well a lot of cocaine trafficking and all that. It has a lot of really weird bad guys that, like, you know, put their arm over fire to prove that they're loyal. Um, it has, it has. I mean, the very first scene is a prostitute. A prostitute jumps off a building after taking some drugs and commits suicide. And then from this, we go into, you know, Riggs um, uh, watching TV by himself in a little caravan about to kill himself. <laughs> um, and it's it's just a it's just a weirdly like it should be really depressing and it should be really like just just the worst kind of like oh this is like people that don't have a family during Christmas or people that don't have friends to be around during Christmas and it's kind of like seeing that element to it where Christmas is a time for everyone being together but like if you can't be together with with anyone then that must be so lonely compared to the rest of you. Um, and it feels like that for the first half an hour. Um, but of course, like the story takes this like kind of weird turn with like the 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 friendship that builds and builds between Riggs and Murtaugh throughout the entire film. Um, from the beginning where like Murtaugh doesn't really like Riggs um, for really good re- for really good reasons to be fair. Um, <laughs> and I mean, for the first 20 minutes, we're not even really sure if Riggs is an actual police officer. We could we kind of assume that he's either definitely someone who's um pretending or is just straight up a criminal and he's to reveal himself so it's weird when like those very few moments in the first like half an hour where he does some pretty like some like kind of heroic things and you're kind of like oh he's a he's a good person i think <laughs> um mm-hmm. and yeah it's just like a and i think the the contrast for me that works really well is of course like the Shane Black writing, which is very witty and kind of like kind of dark and crude, but also kind of like I keep on saying weirdly heartwarming. Um, and I think the mix that's so good is um, Murtaugh's like home, really close knit family, um, red and green fluorescent lights everywhere, um, family home compared to the outside world of like what the plot is doing and the the people that they're killing and all that stuff and the um and that contrast is really kind of well handled and I think my favorite sequence in the film was when I think it's like the first time Riggs goes to Murtaugh's house and they just have like this dinner and the dinner scene like lasts for quite a long time it goes through dinner to like an after party kind of thing to them hanging out on a boat like outside the house and then it goes to that to them drinking outside the outside the house and then this last kind of really like somber kind of moment between them two before he goes away in his car and it's kind of like how many films have like spent that much time in like a in like a you know a pretty cop drama or like a you know an action film where like 
you get to spend that much time with them, like just hanging out and becoming friends. Like it's very rare that we get that. Um, and it's it's all well written, like really well written. Um, it's yeah, it's and again, I think my favorite. It comes all together at the end where after they've done all the hard boiled detective, you know, killing and blood and whatever, saving the family, which again, you know, like the plot here isn't necessarily, you know, stopping a drug thing. It's literally like save the family from like the potential threat that could happen. It's not like a big grand thing necessarily. Um, so like at the end when um, Riggs goes into the Murtaugh, the Murtaugh household, um and he and i think murtaugh like goes outside and he fixes a light bulb and he turns it on and, and like the last light in the house comes on and you're like oh it, it's symbolic <laughs> <laughs> got the final piece of the family and it's just like a it's depressing and hopeful but kind of pure 80s action which is just you know people just fight guns for ages <laughs> um and it, yeah it's just it's really good, you know. <laughs> it's really enjoyable, you know. And and we talked we talked about it a few weeks ago when we discussed the films set at Christmas that maybe aren't Christmas films that we think are Christmas films. That wasn't the official title. I think I just butchered the length of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we said that it sort of it has that Christmas theme, like you said. Mm-hmm. It's not the it's not at the forefront. It's not the main thing. Yeah. But it's there and it's throughout and. Mm-hmm. Just and nice. I think, like, Christmas films, or this, I think even Christmas in general I'm talking about at the moment, is, is like, it's sort of, like, we define what it is every year. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Like, obviously, like, technically, it is the birth of Jesus, but there are many people out there that do celebrate Christmas that aren't religious. And it's all kind of just, it's just a tradition that we all kind of do. And it's the tradition of having a tree or watching a certain film or having a certain like drink or meal bef- before Christmas happens or a certain routine you do every year. It's sort of like this weird kind of warm month of the year where you kind of do the things that you know that you definitely love to do. Um, and it can mean whatever you want, you want it to mean. You can spend it with your friends or your family or whoever you want to. And I think if, if you want, if you really want the Avengers to be a Christmas movie, you can, in your mind, you can make it a Christmas movie by just having it on every December, you know? Yeah. You can do, it's all to you, like, what Christmas is. Um, and for me, this is a perfect example of that, where it's an 80s movie that said, let's be about Christmas. <laughs> like, it's an 80s action movie that said, you know, let's just do some Christmas shit. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it's it still stands the test of time. Um it's still really well told. And have, have you ever seen the sequels? I've started watching the, the second one. I'm about, I'm about 20 minutes from the end, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I stopped watching. I just did. Mm-hmm. Got tired. I didn't get bored or anything. I think I just got, yeah, I think I just got tired. Yeah. It's, it's a weird thing because um, the sequels kind of just broaden the family out a bit more each time. So it's not really that much of an arc for any of the characters. It's more like they meet a new person and then just bring them into the fold. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I think they meet Joe Pesci in the second one. Um, and then the third Good one... Guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and the third one, we get we get um, a new love interest. And then the fourth one, we, they adopt an entire Chinese family. <laughs> um, what a line. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. Um, but yeah, every time with these movies, they kind of just 
again, my, the first one's definitely my favorite because it feels like the one that's kind of actually doing character things. But the sequels are definitely all fun, in my opinion. They're all solid sequels, like similar to Home One Two. I don't love what they did with the series, but I do think they're all at least fun sequels. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think, but this first one's really special to me, and I think it's a perfect example of like you can do whatever you want with like whatever genre you're doing, you know. Like this technically is a hard-boiled '80s macho detective um, action movie. At the same time as being a Christian movie that I watch every year, <laughs> like you can do what you want, man. Don't worry about the genre. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, can we do another one? Yeah. If, if you're ready to move on. Yeah, yeah, I'm alright. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm sort of gonna follow in a similar vein. I'm not going to talk too much about it because we talked a lot about it over the last week and on the pod- on the podcast two weeks ago. But Die Hard. Yeah, boy. <laughs> is this on your list? Definitely, yeah. <laughs> I won't I won't ask you to reveal where it is. But <laughs> basically, it's much like Lethal Weapon, perhaps not as much as Lethal Weapon. I don't think it's as much of a fixture as it is in Lethal Weapon, maybe. Mm-hmm. The whole Christmas thing. Yeah. But it's when you just watch it Christmas and it's associated with Christmas because they're all sort of, they're obviously at the Christmas party and um, I'm pretty sure one, in fact, one of the one of the last lines might be Merry Christmas, but I can't remember. I only watched it a few days ago. I think it's Argyle says something like, if this is their idea of Christmas, I've got to be here for New Year. Yeah, so something he, like that. There's, the, there's another point where um, McLean says Happy Christmas to somebody, like ironically. Oh yeah, I, I, I don't know why. That's a really random comment thing about oh, it. Like, just a ho ho ho! I got a machine gun. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that it has that Christmas element sprinkled in, and like you said about you make it a Christmas film from what aspects are there, mm-hmm. and the aspect of McLean being there to restore his family, you know, get. Um, Reconnect with his wife. Yeah. They're Christmassy things. Yeah. Um, and it's the feeling you watch at Christmas because it now feels Christmas. I know there's obviously the big debate. Is it a Christmas film? Is it not? I don't care. <laughs> watch it at Christmas. Yeah. Watching it at Christmas, you get the most out of it, I think. I, I would agree, yeah. Um, obviously, it's still an absolute classic if you watch it any time of the year, but you just get that extra 1% at Christmas, I think. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. I love this film a lot. Mm. <laughs> God damn it. It's so um, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you, we did those reviews because I wouldn't have noticed any of the masculinity things you pointed out. Yeah, I didn't... Like the stuff with a watch. That's <laughs> mind-blowing when I think about it. Yeah, to be fair, I didn't really realise it until... Like this year, really, um, and I've watched this film like twenty times. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, I just I think watching films like this is quite a lot of like male stuff in this, and quite a lot of you know. I mean, John McClane himself is like, at least for the eighties, like kind of the opposite of what an action hero was. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, as like his whole arc really is him learning to be less of like less of like a breadwinner, if that makes sense, like less of a. Um, like a, he has to be the the leader of the household and whatever. Yeah, that that's that's like his whole arc. Yeah, it's kind of him. It's him kind of like saying at the beginning of the film, like even says to Argyle at one point, 
that he thought that the wife would get this job, move away, and then come crawling back because it didn't go well. And it's sort of like this weird kind of, very, very kind of like male kind of ego-driven thing that drives him for the first like 20 minutes of the film. That's kind of like, I mean, even in the, in the scene where, the one scene where they spend together before the actual chaos happens, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it's going very well. But like John just at one point just snaps for no reason and kind of just decides, well, I've got to argue about, you know, who, what name this woman has, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. about point of like see this is you have my name not someone else's so not your actual original name and it's kind of like a weird kind of don't have to do this John McClane <laughs> um, and I think throughout the film and I think the scene that really makes it land well I think without the scene it wouldn't have worked as well as an art but with the scene with um, him in the bathroom and like taking the glass out of his, out of oh, his yeah. I was gonna mention this this is one of my favorite lines of dialogue ever <laughs> yeah it's it's all an amazing kind of like, I think his performance is great as well. Like him, every other word is like almost about to cry. Um, and it's him like just saying, he, I think he says something like, I never, you, she she heard me say I love you a thousand times, never heard me say that I'm sorry. Um, and I think that's a great moment of like seeing him finally like let his guard down, like after like a whole 20 minutes or so at the beginning of him just constantly being kind of a prick to everyone he, he meets. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, he is different in that it's probably an action hero where he learns something good from the end of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a lot of times it is shoot them all up, save whoever we're meant to be saving, and then bam, mm-hmm. back to normal. Yeah, it really has the sense of that new equilibrium to bring out the technical terms of screenwriting. <laughs> 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 yeah. To get pretentious on us, yeah, <laughs> it really has that. It's a normality, but it's a new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think have you? I think I imagine you have seen the sequels at some point. Sorry, have you seen the sequels? Um, yeah, I've seen them all. I think the problem, not the problem, but I guess like a the reason I don't love them as much as this one is because in the second one he doesn't really have an arc. It's the same thing as Home Alone Two. They kind of just, you know, take the, the end point from um, the first movie and kind of just keep the character in that sort of perfect state um, for the next movie. So it's just like, he lo- in this in the second one, he, he loves his wife. He's getting along well. He's not so much of a dick. He's kind of a nice guy. Um, and he, and at, the end, at the end, he will save his wife. Um, and it's kind of like, it lacks that kind of subtext or character arc that the first one had the entire way through. Um so even at the end, as cathartic as it is as a plot element, it's not quite as like, oh, they're finally together and they can have a second chance. It's more kind of, oh, good, they're together again, <laughs> you know. Um, and the third one even, I think the third one is a, a close second for me in the series. I really love the third one a lot. Yeah, I love the third one. It's probably my favourite sequel. Yeah, um, but I think... My favourite Die Hard sequel, not my favourite sequel ever. <laughs> sequel ever. <laughs> um, my favourite Die Hard sequel. And it kind of, but this third one again, kind of, instead of doing um, a new thing with that those characters, it kind of says, it kind of reverses it back to the first movie where they've had an argument and they're not talking anymore. So it kind of, I wouldn't say it goes, I wouldn't say it negates the first movie or anything like that, but I do think it kind of just, it's kind of unimaginative as a sequel for his character to kind of just do the same thing again and have to learn the same lesson again. Um, 
kind of weird, and I kind of don't like that element of sequels. And I think mm. it's the reason why the first one is not only it's not only I would say the best told one, the best uh, visually done one, the the best plotted and the best the 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 best villain. Um, it's also kind of like the one that I feel like is is an actual story beneath the actual action, um, more than the other ones, I guess. Um, but yeah, I love this movie a lot, and. God damn it, that scene, I think the best scene in terms of, like, tension, and I don't know if you agree with me, but, like, that scene where he's on the roof, and everyone's, like, the entire, like, the hostages are all there, and he's screaming at everyone, like, to get off the roof, and they all think, like, he's a terrorist, so they're all, like, not doing what he's saying and being really scared. At the, sa- at the same time, the helicopter behind him was a sniper at, like, at his head, at the same time as a bomb beneath his, his feet about to go off <laughs> and he's doing all this with like sars of glass on his feet and he's not wearing a shirt he's sweating <laughs> <laughs> and like it's just an amazing moment and i love the music as well it's just a good music uh, score by i want to say a michael kaplan maybe um yeah check. and it all leads towards that amazing moment where he jumps off the roof and like everything that scores is shit <laughs> it's, it's just what, what everything that has gone wrong has gone wrong or everything that could go wrong has gone wrong even. yeah we only have the wife character left <laughs> uh, michael Kamen. oh okay i was close ish um yeah i love the score to this movie as well it's just uh it's pure christmas score you know like it has the jingle bells but also kind of its own unique sound to it um yeah, mm-hmm. yeah oh he did band of brothers next man as well oh oh he did yeah that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Clear. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Do you want to move on to your next one? Uh, yeah. Uh, my next one, if my phone works. Um, my next one is Scrooged. Which oh, is interesting. The Bill Murray version of the Scrooge story. Um, ah, well, he's ah, okay. Directed by Richard Donner, once again, Lethal Weapon. Keeps popping up with some really unusual films. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I love this film a lot. Um, and it has this weird comedy to it that I haven't, I don't see that much happen. Um, and the whole movie is kind of like a pantomime thing. <laughs> um, it's very over the top, isn't it? It's so over the top. And I think, and Helen, my mum, <laughs> at one point mentioned the fact that she hasn't, I don't think she um, she said something like, I don't think Bill Murray has talked at a normal tone yet. He hasn't talked at a normal voice level. I was like, I think that's true. Like, he hasn't, like, not been shouting in this movie for two hours straight. So I feel kind of, I feel kind of bad for him because his throat must be killing him after that. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a weird, like, modern retelling. And by modern, I mean, you know, the late 80s. But, you know, in modern. It was well, fine. We can look in the, we can live with it. Yeah, yeah. It's still, you know, more modern than the actual story is, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, and it kind of used this idea of a TV producer who was making everyone work on Christmas Eve to do a live a live show of actual, the actual screwed story. Um, and then he actually gets, as the movie says, like, Scrooged um, himself. Um, and I think it's, I think it's just really good for one very good reason. I think it's because the movie could have easily, and the thing, the thing is, the movie does has very dark humor for the most part. I would say it's quite a dark, kind of sarcastic, cynical humor to the entire movie. Um, so it could have been like really cynical 
and kind of like molded the classic story into and it kind of like a portrayal of the actual meaning of the story it could have been like the modern retelling which makes it dark and gritty you know <laughs> which is the the big new thing now in hollywood to make everything dark and gritty mm-hmm. uh, but instead i think the thing that this movie really does well is it's not only still a comedy it's also kind of like really cynical until like these elements from the original story keep on um happening so like he goes back to his past and sees his mother and all that stuff and he has some moments in the present when he sees how he's affecting all his families and he goes to the future and when there's a there's a future and he's all you know everyone's mean and horrible because of him um and it's kind of like every time before it happens um he keeps on saying stuff like oh i'm gonna do this and you want to do this and i'm not gonna cry i get it i get the story i know what the story is <clears throat> and i think that's like I think what maybe could have easily have done is um, have him say that and then have him not do that thing that he said he's not going to do. Like he's, he said like, oh, I'm going to cry and then have him not cry and be like, you know, too much of a cynical above uh, above the story kind of guy. But I think the best moment for me is when like he says, oh, I'll see your mother and I'll cry and he goes in the house. I think like it takes like two minutes. He's, he's like crying. <laughs> and it's kind of, like, so at least the story is kind of like, poking fun not at the story but at people that ever thought that they could like grow above the story if that makes sense like mm-hmm. so it's still doing the story but without betraying it and making it seem like it's a story for you know beyond what we're, what we are now you know like uh, before what we are now um which implies that we're better also because we're more cynical which is a weird judgment <laughs> um and I think, yeah, it's just, Bill Murray is the heart of all that movie. <laughs> and like I said, he's always shouting. Um, and I think the I think my favorite comedic subplot is um, this character who uh, gets fired in the first day, like the first scene in the film, and he keeps on coming back and he keeps on getting worse and worse. Like he's he's giving blood away and he's drinking his sorrows away and he's got a shotgun now, and he comes back at the end to kill Bill Murray with a shotgun, and then for pure. Bill Murray just being really charming and really cool, and then, and then at, at the end point, like really happy with his life because he's had that like euphoria moment, and he kind of like he just few people like hugging him just kind of makes the guy go, you know what, Bill Murray's alright, <laughs> and he just like, and like again the, the kind of like, the weird dark humor that goes to this movie is and pantomime humor is, at the end we have this really beautiful, hopeful, amazing moment where Bill Murray talks directly to the camera about what being a good person is at the same time as like in the background the other character with a shotgun is holding everyone in the studio hostage <laughs> and like this is a good mix that i really enjoy of like pure hopeful storytelling at the same time as having a bit of fun of it <laughs> in the background um yeah it's just have you ever seen this movie before i well we were looking for a christmas film to watch mm-hmm. and we chose this one mm-hmm um, it was a weekday night. Same <laughs> scene for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think we got about half, got half an hour in. Really? Before we decided to watch something else. Really? Mm. Oh. oh. That, we, we, we didn't hate it. It was just a case of... We were, sort of, we were struggling for something to watch. We didn't know what to watch, so we put it on. Mm-hmm. And then we just sort of had another look and just... Decided we wanted to watch something else. All right, that's fair enough. I mean, I do. I don't hate it. Obviously, I haven't seen the same four films, so I can't really criticise it. I'm crushed by this. <laughs> but, 
but I just thought it was a little too much, personally. Uh, like, yeah. I, 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 I like Bill Murray. Bill Murray going full-on Bill Murray is really enjoyable. I like Groundhog Day and the Ghostbusters, obviously. Yeah. Uh, he's great in those. But this one, I feel like it was sort of... It felt like undirected Bill Murray, if that makes sense. I totally get that. It felt yeah. like wild Bill Murray. I totally, yeah. I... I think I think that's my feeling as well on it. it is it's Bill Murray who might have been drunk on on set. I don't know, <laughs> and just kind of shouting for two hours. And yeah, I I get yeah yeah I know what you mean. Um, yeah, um, I was also surprised to see uh, Thingy Allen in this. Who? Who? That's um, Karen Allen, is it? Oh, um, uh, I've only yeah I've only ever seen her as um, Marion in Marion in. Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's great in it, honestly. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I I can't help but love, love this film for being. And the thing is, when I first watched it, I watched it half like from the halfway point. It was on TV once. <clears throat> yeah. So I kind of caught the end of it, where I had no idea what the movie actually was. Mm-hmm. I didn't see the, I knew Scrooge, obviously, but I just didn't know like what the tone was, what it was, who it was directed by, and like and like halfway through, I was like, I'm hearing like. Danny Elfman music and it's very like you know his usual choir and jingle bells in the background thing Danny Elfman did this oh that's interesting I think like <laughs> the, movie, the movie goes like to the end like to the um to like the future part where like yeah the ghost of Christmas future um and it's such a weird weird world where like they go to this mental institution and it's kind of like this horrific like almost sci-fi kind of thing and then we go to the future where the love interest Marion, I guess, <laughs> is like, like looks like a horrible kind of like alien, almost like how like the makeup's done on her. Like she's so pale and like there's so many like weird like fake wrinkles on her. And then like we go to and also the ghost of Christmas pa- uh, future is really creepy. Um, he's just like ginormous big figure who's TV is a uh, basically like, it's like a TV that like just projects whatever is on it like for the scene. Um, and when you open the cloak, in his entire like chest is not is like one spine, and then like a lot like four different alien ghosts like hanging on to him from from hell, like screaming. <laughs> and, like, and it's all like it's like late eighties like practical effects. I'm like, this is really this is really impressive. <laughs> um, and then like so many weird things happen, and got to that last scene because I was only halfway through it that I started, so I had no idea where the movie was going really. And we got to that last scene where he's like, he's just, he just talks to the camera, like literally to, to the camera, like to the audience. And he's just saying like, he's like hauling back tears and like screaming, his throat is like drying up. And he's like just talking about being a good person and like what Christmas is. And it's just like a, it's, it could only work in a Christmas setting sort of thing, you know. Mm. It's sort of like, this is the one time of year where I would accept this. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, like. If like even my favorite film of all time, Spider-Man Two, at some point, Peter Parker looks looks directly down the camera and says, "What being a good person is," I'm like, I don't like this. <laughs> um, but you know, Bill Murray screaming on Christmas Eve is like the best thing ever. Um, yeah, I love this film a lot. I I recommend it to anyone I've seen. And shout out to James, my friend, who watched it uh, last week. And he never he never does this. He always if he texts me about movies, it's always because he hates it. He texts me and said. Fuck, this movie's really good. <laughs> um, isn't it? <laughs> um, yeah, it's very rare that happens. So I feel like 
I want I want to point that out. Even a person that hates movies love this movie. Um, so yeah. <laughs> oh great, great stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we'll move uh, on. Yeah, you want to move on? Yeah. <laughs> um. So. My next one is one that I watched last year for the f- the first time in ages, and I watched it again the other day. Mm-hmm. Such a weird film. Uh, it's Gremlins. I haven't seen Gremlins. Have you not seen Gremlins? Never have. Right, so, flashback to last Christmas. I'm setting the scene again. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I remember, I have I had seen it before, I must have seen it before. But I wanted to watch it again because I couldn't really remember it, couldn't remember what happened. I mm. knew about Gizmo, a little fluffy gremlin. Yeah. Cute and all. And I knew the rules, you know, you don't feed him after midnight. Don't get him wet. Yeah. And he doesn't like sunlight. I knew the whole lights out, lights out thing. <laughs> yeah. Um and so we watched it and basically it starts with a dad going into the like a uh, like a oriental shop mm-hmm. and finds Gizmo, decides to buy it. Despite the shop owner's protests, the shop owner's son sort of sells him the uh Mogwai. If they yep. call him, who turns out to be Gizmo. Yeah. Gives it to his son as a Christmas present. His son's about 18. <laughs> right. And so I thought it was... So you think it's going to be this happy family Christmas film about mm. bringing up this pet and all the little adventures you get into. Then all of a sudden, <laughs> it turns into the most extreme... Certificate 12 horror film you've ever seen. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, first of all, they get Gizmo wet, and it, it sort of multiplies Gizmo, so then I've loads of them. Mm-hmm. Um, which, it, it's all done practical as well, all this. Everything's done practically, or with stop motion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's this horrifying sequence where, like, he gets wet and his skin is like his body starts bubbling and little <laughs> fluff balls start pelting away from him. Oh my god! And they start like bubbling and becoming little gizmos. Yeah. And then, um, like, like, like he keeps Gizmo like, in the in the sort of on the bed with him because Gizmo's Gizmo's the OG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the rest are all sort of sleeping in a little box with cushions and quilts. Mm-hmm. And they cut the wire to the clock. <laughs> right. And then they ask for food. So he looks over, he sees it's, it's not yet midnight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he feeds them, gives them loads of food. Mm-hmm. And then meanwhile, at the same time, he also took one of them to the local science teacher. <laughs> right. Who's like, doing all blood experiments on him. And he also accidentally feeds him after midnight. Of course. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> um, and then, so he wakes up. And they literally turn into the alien cocoons from Alien. <laughs> <laughs> they are the proper cocoons, proper grim, slimy, gooey, yeah. all green and just horrible looking. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing happens for the, the scientist. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like, it's like somebody flipped a switch. They start hatching. The first one just kills the science teacher. <laughs> Full on. It's like a scene where um, the kid goes to see him, and he's literally like motionless, his head under a desk. Fucking hell, Jesus! <laughs> so it goes like he's dead, lying under the desk, with his head under the desk. 
And then what ensues is all the ones hatch in his bedroom mm-hmm. with his monster in the house. <laughs> and one of the most batshit crazy sequences I've ever seen in a Christmas film, but in a film in general, mm-hmm. where this sort of your typical 80s domesticated view of, on women. <laughs> so she's, she's always in the kitchen whenever you see her. Mm-hmm. They have this sort of sexist portrayal. Yeah. All of a sudden, she gets like a kitchen knife and uses all the like, kitchen utensils to brutally murder several of the gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> because like they've turned all evil. They've got like claws and they've got big ears. Yeah. And they're all slimy. Uh, first of all, she she sees one in in the kitchen, and it's playing in the blender. Oh god! Okay. So she turns the blender on, <laughs> and it literally just splurts like goo and gore everywhere, like green gremlin yeah. guts everywhere. Yeah. And it just ends with like the thing still spinning and the gremlin's leg still dangling out the top of it. <laughs> And it's just great. And yeah. another one attacks her. And she shanks it with a kitchen knife and pins it to a chopping board. <laughs> and then, by far, the most, the most sadistic one, it's another one sort of grabs her mm-hmm. and she shoves it in the microwave. Oh, God. <laughs> and then turns the microwave on and it explodes in the microwave. Jesus Christ. <laughs> And then, and then she's like, one's hiding in the Christmas tree, and it attacks her from the Christmas tree. Mm. And there's like more fights, and then the kid just runs in and with a sword and decapitates the gremlin. Fucking hell! What? <laughs> and then, right, it even gets worse. And then, then the leader of the gremlins goes to the swimming pool and falls in the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. So now there's literally hundreds of them, and there's like oh. a big stop motion shot of them all walking down this little town's high street. And they basically tear the town apart and they murder so many people. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Like, there's one, there's like this old woman that's sort of old. There's this woman that's really angry Mm. throughout the entire film. She wants to put the main character's dog down (laughs) and stuff. And she has a stair lift. Mm. And she comes down on the stair lift, and all of a sudden, the gremlins sort of hijack the stair lift. So it goes super fast. And as she's going back up the stairs, she gets in the thing, and it goes super fast and shucks her, chucks her out the out of the uh, top floor window. <laughs> she lands like in front of a cop car. That's pretty good. <laughs> um, another another person gets killed with a comp with like a a tractor. Mm-hmm. They get flattened. Um, honestly, and then the cinema blows up. <laughs> That's the one you're sitting in. Um, no, so, um, yeah, it's just a batshit crazy Christmas film. Yeah, I mean, I was sure that that movie was like a mostly a comedy. Oh, it, it is. It's a sadistic comedy. Yeah, it's one of those. <laughs> it's enjoyable, but it's one that you sat there thinking, "What is going on?" Yeah. What am I watching? This is so weird. Another example. You end up enjoying it because it's just so out of there. Yeah. I mean, another example of, like, Christmas movies can be whatever they want to be. Like, mm. there's no, like, you know, I guess genre to it, <laughs> really. Uh, yeah, I never knew that about that film. I always thought it was going to be, like, I knew that it had horror elements. I just didn't know it was going to be 
gore horror, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, um, it's not it's not super gory as well, but it's one where you search it to a kid, it's gonna be terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's that also, one. It's like um, one of the the police deputies who has like one scene is Jonathan Banks. Oh, okay. He's um, the guy from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. I forgot his name. Um, I have to. <laughs> Mike, Mike Ehrmantraut. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Which is super weird because I'm watching and thinking, is that? Is that Mike? <laughs> is that my buddy Mike? Um, so yeah, so that that that's what I've got for Gremlins. I mean, I've seen. I think I've seen ten minutes of the second one. And the second one was definitely a comedy. <laughs> yeah, I think I I don't think I've seen the second one all the way through. There's one particular scene I remember where they're in like a canteen, mm. but that's all I seem to remember from it. The second one, from my very vague memory, had like a female gremlin in it that was seducing actual humans. <laughs> um, it also had like I don't know people. I think gremlins at some point were like singing, like actually singing songs as well. Mm. Um, one of the things about the first one is that Gizmo can sort of sing. Oh, really? Okay, I didn't know that. Not, not like words, like he hummed the tune. Yeah, and Gizmo in the second one has like a has like a Rambo style uh, arrow and <laughs> born arrow. <laughs> Remember that? Um, I need to watch the sequel. I think it's it's weirdly kind of like love for being so different. Mm. It's kind of like. I don't know how to put it, but like, I guess aliens to alien, you know, like kind of like a different genre of the same movie. Um, I think so, at least. Yeah, and this is what I was saying. This is written by Chris Columbus. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, and they're doing a third one, aren't they? Are they? Mm, they're doing a third one. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know if the nostalgia for Gremlins is that powerful enough, though, for in the general audiences. <laughs> maybe, not, maybe not for general audiences. Yeah, to be a franchise. <laughs> Mm. Might get a prequel. Maybe. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I think it's one that you can only really get away with making one if you're going to make a sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like all of James Cameron's films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, trying to move on. I'm just cautious of time. Yeah. Um, my next one is Love Actually. Oh, I saw my list, so I can yeah. talk about it at the same time. I think if you don't like this film, you can fuck off. It's <laughs> <laughs> so one of the few opinions or movies that I have where I'm like, if you don't like it, I don't want to be friends with you, all right? Um, it's it's just one of those... It's so good. Like, it's just... Again, I am a big fan of, like, rom-coms or uh, uh, any genre movie that's not afraid to be its own genre. Like, I don't particularly love it when a movie subverts, like, just for the sake of being, like, edgy. Um, and I think this is one of the most pure examples of, of a rom com, you know, like completely, completely romantic and completely com- uh, comedic. Um, it's written by and I think directed by Richard Curtis, who did a lot of, I think, Four Weddings and the Funeral and all these kind of like every famous romantic rom com from the 90s, including Hugh Grant, is from this guy. Um, but yeah, I love this film. I think it's a really great example of like. Bit like holding so many storylines together at the same time. Um, it's incredibly rare that I ever feel in this film that I'm being disconnected through all the different like plots. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I just it's it's just like a famous film that I feel like everyone's watched. 
but I can't, I really can't in my mind, like, give that much, like, of a overview of it, other than say, for every reason that, that you, you're listening right now, right? Every, every, every reason that you love this film is the same as me, because I feel like it's just a universal kind of thing. If you love, if you love this film, you love it for all the same reason that everyone does. Like, every time, every time, um, Colin Firth walks down that street in Italy with the entire town behind them, and that music is playing. We all know the same example. We all we're all going fuck yes, you know. We're all really happy about it, and we're all yeah, go on, Colin. Yeah, we're all happy crowd at the end with all the images of everyone at the airport, you know. Mm. Um, One of the best final like shots I think ever in general films. Yeah, it's just, just like a. Nothing really beats that level of happiness, you see. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's like real people as well. Yeah, it is, yeah. Which is, you know, incredible that like, again, the movie is so, it's so much ingrained within being completely romantic, completely comedic, that at the end of the movie, it doesn't feel cheap or cheesy when the movie decides to actually do something like that for the uh, the final shot. Um, and yeah, it just works so well. And every character is so well casted as well like i feel like that's something that doesn't get praised enough everyone's being casted like amazingly mm-hmm. uh, yeah i mean i can't say that much more <laughs> it's really good <laughs> yeah it's just, yeah it's such a happy film you know obviously there are sad yeah. elements to it i always get a bit sad when with emma thompson yeah i mean and the present um you get to jerry mitchell yeah it's heartbreaking isn't it <laughs> yeah it, it, it's it yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> also, Rowan Atkinson's in it. Yeah, <laughs> he was like the I guess the god of love. <laughs> like he just comes in and like just changes things around to like go for, for the better. Like he just, you know, to a certain extent, he stops Alan from getting the necklace for his um, side <laughs> romantic interest, mm. uh, and he helps the boy get to the airport on time and all that. So I kind of imagine him as like. This universe is Cupid in actual Ron Atkinson form. <laughs> you know? Yeah, he's one of, it's one of them actors that uh, Richard Curtis just seems to use every now and then for like a scene or two. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> and it works. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, God, love love, actually. Yeah. Every Christmas, man. <laughs> I know. It's one of the first things I, I... It's actually one of the first ones I always watch. Mm-hmm. I like, even like, you know Christmas is here when you watch Love Actually. Yeah, I like I even rewatch it. Like if it's on TV, I will still watch it. You know, I've already seen it yesterday. You know. Mm. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Too, too good. It is. <laughs> Do you want to move on to the next one? Uh, so I'll yeah. mine as well. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, so my next one uh, is Home Alone, the first one. Interesting. Okay. And Home Alone is, I generally think, a really, really, really well-made movie. Um, I, I mean, I'm talking like even if you're looking at it like from a critical eye of filmmaking or whatever, it's it's so odd that like, I mean, this film in it has to introduce this entire premise of how the hell are these parents going to forget their kid <laughs> um, without seeming like assholes, you know? Um, how are we going to set up a, a character who's not going to be that likable until like? halfway through really how are we going to have the idea that this house is going to get robbed set up really early on so it doesn't feel like a cheap conflict sort of thing um how do we set up this entire big uh family how do we set up the 
entire like geography of the entire house within as quick as possible, as quick as possible. Um, and like I swear to God, in the first five minutes, it does all of this like so well. Um, we literally start the film with like with George Percy in a police uniform in the middle of the house where he's about to get his teeth knocked out in the end of the movie. Um, and we get to see the entire family, and they all have from the get go an immediate like line or dialogue or even just like a look about them where like they've got personality and you know what their what their character is. Um, and then you have Kevin enter the movie, and he's again he's likable and charming, but not in like a the cool kid like kind of sort of way of like that movie sometimes did in the nineties and eighties where like. The kid would always be like the coolest kid in, in cool in the uh, in school, and then like <laughs> you know do the really cool thing by the end of the movie. Um, and never it just makes it a bit more boring. And I think having Kevin being kind of a an actual kid who's not ready to be alone, <laughs> have to deal with being alone <laughs> is an almost obvious idea, but like it just works really well. Um, the film also looks amazing the entire way through. <laughs> the film has that like weird like glow to it through a every light is kind of like a hazy kind of like misty light <laughs> mm. and every character every side character has like some sort of personality to them um and the shots and like the the way the film is visually like made is kind of like from a perspective of a child so like every shot of an adult is always like a very low angle wide lens sort of thing and like the way that kevin is terrified by the next door neighbor is the same way like the camera and sound design like does it it's like the next door neighbor is generally terrifying until the very end. <laughs> um, it's it's an insanely well crafted film and also like purely like enjoyable and full of so many classic scenes and so many really funny scenes and again like I think I don't know if I mentioned this, uh, any John Hughes films in this yet but John Hughes wrote this film I think and he's like the master of this rom coms and Christmas and the eighties. 80s just any famous movies in the 80s <laughs> um was john hughes in some way um and this film is just great it's so well directed and so well made and and also john williams of the music and it's great is he yeah it's isn't really? it and i was i started watching the film like last week i think and i was like oh this theme is like a really good theme and then the the the, the, the um the title came was like Oh, it's <laughs> John Williams. <laughs> I forgot about that. I never yeah. knew that. Yeah, it's an amazing theme that he's done for these movies. He especially, I'd actually say the second one has a better score because I don't know why, but I think he just went, he just went bigger with it. You know, like really big with like the entire. At the end, I think at the end especially is um, is an amazing like Christmas theme that is forever in my head. You know, I will never forget that theme, <laughs> um, of like what Christmas is like just put into a piece of music um yeah i this movie's pretty much perfect and i can't yeah it's just really good <laughs> yeah like i say it's, it's one that i weirdly just haven't sort of watched it's really <laughs> weird to be able to say that because obviously everyone obviously reveres this mm-hmm. um yeah so it's weird to say that but i, I have mean... enjoyed it and i've seen it yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> you are all right Sorry, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Um, are you ready to move on? Uh, yeah. So I have, I have two left. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for so, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Oh, okay. 
which is one that, again, it's not really talked about much. And when I'm talking about this, because there are several versions, the one I'm specifically talking about is the, it's maybe not the one that people jump to and they think of a Christmas classic. classic. Mm-hmm. Um, but, sorry. Yeah, but I'm just trying to think now. I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> this, is, this, this is awkward. Miracle on 34th Street? <laughs> yeah, Miracle on 34th Street, I'm just trying to think. Uh, this says three, I think. There's three? Three oh. versions. Okay. But this one, I, I don't think this is the version that people obviously laud as the original, the classic one. But this is the one with Richard Attenborough in it. Oh, okay. Right. Um, and it's the one we watch every Christmas. It's one of the ones we watch close to Christmas Day. My mum likes it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, along with my sort of pick I'm going to get to after this. Um... But it's basically like it has the idea of the cynicism that people can have and you can have in real life about doubting Christmas. And it's represented through this guy's the real Santa, but people don't believe him. And it really embraces the idea of kids have that faith, kids have that enjoyment or that spark of joy that adults maybe don't. And it's something you tend to see a lot. It also seems to crop up a lot in Christmas films. Mm-hmm. Obviously, because kids love Christmas, and it, it, it seems the perfect setting for it. But this is just so sweet and so just lovable, really. Mm-hmm. It has such a charm to it. And Richard, Richard Attenborough is phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He is so good in this. Mm-hmm. And, and many things, of course. It's yeah. also got... Um, what's his name? The guy... The guy who has confused Clive Owen... <laughs> right, yeah. Because it's Clive Aaron is the guy who looks, I'm sure to God looks exactly like him. I think I know who you mean, but I couldn't tell you his name. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the one I'm talking about is the 1994 version. Mm-hmm. Dylan McDermott. <laughs> right, okay. That's his name. Uh, it also has, if you watch, um, if you've ever watched Fraser, the American sitcom. Yeah. It has Jane Leaves, who is uh, Fraser's dad's therapist. Oh, right. The 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 um the English physio. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. If if you haven't, if you've never seen this film before, I thoroughly recommend it. It's quite slow, I think. Okay. But it's just it's one that really sort of it makes you feel a bit sad at certain points, mm-hmm. which. It's handled really well with the like it it it, it goes in on the the aspect that maybe adults sort of lose an aspect of joy when they grow up, which is obviously <laughs> yeah. a really melancholy topic. But I feel like it handles it really well, and it handles like the joy of it, and that you, know, you can still have joy at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Embraces the Christmas joy aspect. Yeah, I, but I completely understand why people might prefer older versions. It just that this is the version that I've always watched if I watched it. Yeah, I think I and again, like I said, Christmas goggles. <laughs> yes, the the roasting the roasting glasses. Um, but I think I've I think I've only seen like the last half of this movie a while ago, um, and I, I haven't ever seen the original one. I think at least um, I didn't even know there was a third one. Um, but yeah, I think I ended up enjoying it. I think. <laughs> it was a while ago. Um, 
I have, yeah, I have very little memory of this film. Is, is it a courtroom drama at one point? Sort of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it sort of becomes that. The second yeah. half, maybe. Right, okay. Yeah, I just have no memory of this film, really. Because he, he <laughs> sort of, he gets baited into uh, reacting to, some somebody sort of, somebody inflames him and asks him, like, taunts him. Mm. And he sort of gets framed for being a violent, drunk old man. <laughs> right, yeah. And so the court case is basically proving that he's Santa. <laughs> right. Well, this guy has reindeers, man. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah um, um, all right, if you want to move on, move on to your next one. Uh, yeah. Uh... Have we reached your top three now? Uh, yeah, we are. Yeah, now we are. <clears throat> um, my number three, then, is Elf um, with Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And made by John Favreau. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... This is a film that gets a lot of praise, and I think it deserves all of it. <laughs> um, I, I really love the um, I love the contrast in this film between the first like fifteen minutes compared to the rest of the film when we go to New York, um, mm-hmm. because the first fifteen minutes is it's so I guess like it's just like a kids movie and definitely like hyper idealized and hyper hyper uh, light and happy uh, just hyper. People. Yeah, it, it, it's hyper. Yeah, it's really hyper. Um, uh, but, like, we go to New York, and I really love the contrast in that film from going from this very surreal world and very happy world to New York um, with an elf just walking around and trying to figure out how it works. <laughs> and I do think my favorite thing about it is that the elf, um, Buddy the Elf, um, never becomes, never really has that kind of, moment where he has to he kind of like aligns himself with being a New York person and being like mean or cynical or, or whatever um, and I love the fact that the movie kind of it just uses I mean so it's similar to like how you would use a character like uh, Martin McFly or to a certain extent the uh, Superman character where he himself like doesn't change but him being there changes every other character mm. uh, so like the same way in Martin McFly, for example, he doesn't really have an arc himself, but what he does do is change George, his father, um, uh, from the beginning to end of the film. Um, and a similar thing here of is Buddy the Elf changes his father, and it's his entire through his personality and his and his love and affection and, and his his uh, his uh, hopefulness for like for being about family and Christmas and all that, and it. It really works as this weird kind of narrative where this very pure little kind of cute little person comes into this entire world and from the inside out kind of manages to change the entire way it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so it kind of feels like a, like a revolution <laughs> of the elf um, kind of thing going on. Um, I just Also, the music, the music is really good. The actual score is great. Mm. Um, and John Favreau, again, just nails the directing of it. And I think... I think my favorite part about it is the fact that the first 15 minutes when we're in the North Pole, there's a lot, there's a lot of like stop motion effects, and a lot of um, miniatures and stuff like that, rather than CGI, which could have been easily used. Um, and we get a lot of, you know, some really cool like visuals for what the North Pole could have like could be if if it was like a real place of Santa in and all that. Compared to, I think a lot of time we just see kind of like an underground city that's kind of just like you know. Like a really big city and it's all trains and you know green and red and it can't it works but again John Favreau I think had a really unique take in this one here where he's 
North Pole is very much like a kid's book, like a ch- uh, kid's like uh, picture book of what the North Pole would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, kind of links together with the end of the film where the entire movie becomes a book in the actual film. Um, again, it's all, yeah, it's all like a charm. It's just a really charming movie and it's so funny the entire way through. It's, again, it's that class between that first 15 minutes of him being so happy and all the top that and having that come and crashing together with, you know, uh, traffic in New York and uh, <laughs> going on the side of the road. And, uh, I mean, I think one of my favorite jokes is when uh, a coffee shop on the outside has, like, best coffee in the world, like, on the, the, on the window. And then Buddy the Elfers comes in and goes, you guys, you did it. You made it. Best cup of coffee in the world. <laughs> and he just walks out and everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and it's just, yeah, I mean, this is so good. Um do you like this one all? Do you like it? It's one of the ones where you sort of you come round to it and you like you see Elf and I always think there there, there are aspects that I'm not hundred percent on. Mm-hmm. Like him being him being so naive constantly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it grates with me. And for <laughs> some reason that's the first thing I think of. But when I actually think about it properly, that's the only thing I have a problem with. The rest of the film is brilliant. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it's just so charming and so sincere and just generally just happy. Yeah. It's, it's a level of energy that you sometimes don't get in films. And yeah, it's why, that... you know, you see a lot in Christmas films, but this is probably the pinnacle of that. And I completely understand why people love this film. <laughs> it just embodies Christmas so well. Yeah. You obviously have the aspect of Santa and being elves, but it just has such a cheer about it and mm. such a happiness to it. Yeah, which is honestly just so lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think general the cast cast is great. Zoe Deschanel is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> she's she great. Pulls the role off so well, mm-hmm. uh, and James Khan as the dad is also great. James Khan is like, how weird is that? Like from the Godfather, like that guy. You came. I through. know he's doing this. Yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, yeah, and I just I love his little arc in this film. I think without that, it's not as effective. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Agree. Like you say, it's about it's about um, it's about him changing other people in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I, I has that classic Christmas movie thing where, at the end, it's all about believing in the spirit of Christmas. Mm. And how what even if it's like a bad movie, no matter what, if the end of your movie has literally like belief in the spirit or something, I like I'm in, I'm all in. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> it's just it's all especially in a Christmas film. Yeah, I mean the great. I think like one of my favorite. I think my favorite shot in this film is when James Khan finally like sings a Christmas carol, and just as he begins to sing it, um, we see like the shot where he's like arms out singing the song for the first time, and then behind him as he's singing, the the sleigh from that buddy and Santa are driving like goes above his just barely above his head and it goes into like mm-hmm. New York skyline, and it's an amazing moment of like. An amazing moment of like he's just given to having spirit and joy and love and and hope and that exact same moment like an amazing thing like that happens above his head and like that'll that'll change anyone from like to their core <laughs> you know yeah. uh, and it's an amazing moment I think yeah I mean Christmas movies they're at their best for me when like they're just so sweet and loving and heartwarming and this what they should be I think at least um, but yeah. That's my opinion. No, I completely agree, and I completely agree about this film. Yeah, definitely. Right, do you want to move on? Do you want to do your next one, and then I'll do my last one? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Um, 
so I have kind of skipped over Die Hard, which is my number four. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Because I feel like I said it quite a lot when I said about it last time. <laughs> um, yeah, I was also going to say, like, when you mentioned about set up in Home Alone. Yeah. I feel like that also applies to Die Hard. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's, oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah. um, but I number two, I think I might be quite surprised because I don't think it's that many people's favourite. But in my household, it just is the favourite, or almost the favourite. My second one is The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I fucking love this film <laughs> a lot. And there's so many, I don't know why, it's just, this is this is definitely the film that I look towards and I go, pure nostalgia is is in this movie for me. Um, I mean, add, add with that, like, the Christmas goggles, it's hard not for me, like, to love and, like, be excited for, like, be before everything happens, I'm excited for that scene because I know what happens and I love it. <laughs> um, it's one of those things where I can literally, like, with the movie, do the lines as they're being said, and I can tell you when the camera cuts to the other shot every time. Um, mm-hmm. It's so, like, in my mind what this film is. And I love the second one as well. I just didn't put it on because I just didn't want to have, I think, three sequels on, on this list. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I just... I think um, it's just... It's so good, and as controversial as Tim Allen has ended up being, I think, at the moment, um, I think he's really great in this role. I think him, I think he's actually perfect in this role as Santa Claus, which is a surprise because I wouldn't really say that otherwise. Like, if, if, I, if he wasn't in this film, I would never go, Tim Allen, yeah, Santa Claus. <laughs> he's fucking, he nails it so much. When he's, when he's full-on Santa, he nails it. When he's cynical, Scott Calvin, he nails it. And anything in between where he's slowly becoming more and more, uh, like, you know about he's all about Christmas by the end, <laughs> um, and again I love the I even love I must appear I think people use it to criticize the movie but I think I even love the um, the weird kind of dark edge to it um, that people kind of point out a lot where the entire movie is based on the weird weird premise that if Santa Claus dies and if you kill Santa Claus you get to be him <laughs> and, if, <laughs> and if you wear the coat it slowly without any care for what you think or feel will change you into Santa Claus no matter and you can't stop this you will you will gain like 200 pounds <laughs> you will grow a white big beard you'll become you get rosy cheeks and you'll be happy all the time and you'll want to you know give kids to uh, give give kids give uh, presents to kids and Christmas and all that and and again another weird thing is like when he when he goes to um, the North Pole and Santa, Santa Claus has just died, like they're Santa Claus. They have no reaction or remorse or care. I know, there's no, there's no sort of, I can't, yeah. I've seen this pointed out, the fact that nobody reacts, nobody's like, oh no. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird. Um, and people just go, oh, you're the new guy, aren't you? I'm like, what do you mean I'm the new guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then like, and also that becomes like a weird theory that I kind of really like, which is that the last Santa Claus before Scott Calvin accidentally killed him, um, is that he was like a terrible Santa Claus? Um, so like, because like the movie kind of has some moments where uh, the adult characters say that when they stopped believing Santa was when they didn't get a present one Christmas, like they they really wanted. Um, and it was kind of like a theory from that comes based on the fact that the elves don't really care about him dying and the fact that the parents didn't get the present that they wanted. That the last Santa was actually a bad Santa, <laughs> um, and therefore. Uh, Scott Calvin, Tim Allen, um, 
doing the roles kind of like brings bringing Christmas back to what it was <laughs> um and I kind of like that even though it's probably not what it, was, it definitely was not what it was intended intended as because it, it is a Disney movie and I doubt they said to themselves let's have like a dark horrific weird subtext <laughs> where like Santa was terrible and drunk and all else hated him and then Scott Calvin killed him one night and then took over um which is what the movie actually is really um but I'm willing to look by all that and kind of actually see it as a weird kind of charming thing um, because I just love I just love the rest of it and I can't deny that it is it's pure nostalgia like in a movie for me and it's also I it's it's a good movie anyway I would say um, I just love it so much. <laughs> it's another one that I very little recollection of. Uh, uh, yeah. like my, my, my biggest exposure to it is the recent um videos that have been on you know uh, mr sunday movies channel yeah oh yeah i saw like the thumbnail for those yeah yeah that that's probably my biggest exposure in in memory mm-hmm. yeah um i'm vaguely familiar like, like, with, with the same way like transforms into the beard mm-hmm. yeah like i've seen <laughs> that before yeah and i also know about how um originally the way that the old Santa died was going to be more, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more graphic. Think... Apparently, he was supposed to shoot him with a shotgun or something. <laughs> Which you know, Disney like do one thing and make like a remake or Disney Plus version where that happens. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Uh... Re- release the shotgun cut. <laughs> release the actual Tim Allen cut. <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, I yeah, this is. Yeah, it's all it's all it's just all good. It's it's all good, you know. Um, I also love the second one. Um, I actually think it in some ways it kind of, uh, I don't know if I would say better, but it's kind of a bit more well-rounded. I think. Um, but the third one is a, a low point for the trilogy. <laughs> um, and kind of a, I used to watch it with the sec the first two every year. Um, but I think in the past like seven years I haven't watched it at all. Um, I kind of avoid it. Um, in my mind, it's the first one, second one, and the third one didn't really happen. Um, but yeah, I I I love it a lot, and I I recommend it to anyone all the time, even if you don't really like it, because it's just so fun. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's it. That's what Chris is all about. Yeah, boy. Sorry. Yeah, boy. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, you like to move on? Yeah, yeah. So my final pick, one of my all-time favourite Christmas films. I love this so much, and it is Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, okay, okay. Have you seen it? I've seen it once last year, and I loved it. You watched it last year? I adore it. <laughs> I love this film so much. Michael mm. Caine and Scrooge, brilliant. Just the yeah. way the Muppets are used, the two narrators. Mm. Oh, Oh yes, <laughs> it's just so Christmassy. Yeah. The songs are just brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's my favourite Muppets thing. I just love the the Marley and Marley song. The way that the way that the, the Christmas Carol story is moulded, but the way it just fits so seamlessly with the Muppets, <laughs> and the way that the Muppets change certain aspects is just brilliant. Like oh, Fozzy Wig is Fuzzy Bear. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, oh, it just. It exudes that, that joy, even though it's Christmas Carol, which is super depressing. Mm-hmm. You have like Michael Caine, legendary Michael Caine as Scrooge. Yeah. Absolutely nails it. Brilliant. 
He really does. Yeah. <laughs> and then the fact you have just such joy, like such Christmas joy through the Muppets, this ultimate children's thing, the Muppets. <laughs> and you, they sort of bring this Victorian London to life where you have part, some of them are humans, some of them are Muppets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Colin Firth's in it, maybe? No, it's not Colin Firth. It's because Colin Firth is the son in the animated one, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. Son is um in sorry not son the nephew even. Uh-huh. In this one, the nephew is is Steve McIntosh. I have no his idea. Name is, he's in Luther. Oh, okay. That's been a while since I watched that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, and the it's just such a joyful and happy thing where, which is is weird for something that a story that isn't typically as joyful as this mm-hmm. it's sort of let's just take this depressing sort of epic I suppose you'd call it <laughs> yeah epically dramatic tale and let's just have fun with it have some Muppets in it <laughs> yeah and it is it's it's just purely brilliant I adore it absolutely adore it I have it on DVD bringing it out every Christmas <laughs> it's either Christmas Eve or day before Christmas Eve yeah, I mean, I think my favorite part of this was was always um, when the the narrators would like change the story sometimes, but it's like being there, they would like say something that would change it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always really enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I just love the way that there is there's also that self referential kind of with the narrators where. Like they they say the the Muppet's name instead of the character's name by mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's one where there's one where like one of them falls away and he's like one of them is supposed to be uh, Charles Dickens, but the other one just doesn't say Charles Dickens. He says the actual Muppet's name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's that's one. That's my top pick. Is that? That's another one where it's like I can't. I imagine Michael Caine on set doing this film and just thinking, I'm so lucky to get paid for this, you know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just playing with the Muppets, having a good time. Yeah, and people like want me to do this for money. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Your number one pick from your list. I think I know what it is. Yeah, my number one pick. I think it's to be everyone's number one pick, unless you're an idiot. And by that I mean, do what you want. I'm okay with it. <laughs> uh, my number one pick is It's Wonderful Life. The uh, perhaps the sort of OG classic, the original. Yeah, it's kind classic of Christmas film. Yeah, it's, and I think it's it's only occurred to me within the past like four four years, I think, and it's only really occurred to me why I love it so much, and I think it's because well, obviously it kind of to a weird way relates to Spider Man Two in the same sort of thematic ways, at least. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. What a link. I know, right? Um, Transcends the decades. It's yeah, it's sort of like about the idea of an individual individual life where you kind of want to do all the things you want to do. You want to travel the world, have you know, fall in love with someone, and be married, and have a great job, and whatever. And it's called like it's a very individual kind of uh, sort of very kind of even if you're not trying to be selfish, kind of can be selfish if you let it kind of override yourself, your kind of idea of what. I don't know what you want in life um, compared to living a like community life where you make 
sacrifices every every time you can to help other people or whatever it be me like that sort of balance between being happy and being a good person that's kind of always like I think at the center of most people that I know of like kind of like how do I be happy but also like not be a dick <laughs> um, and I think that's at least on some level at the core of it's a wonderful life and I love it so much for that for being I mean it's a story which spans like decades of this, this one man's life mm-hmm. um, which for the most part is not set in Christmas really it's only it only really ends at Christmas um and it's about this man's life and it's, it's played perfectly by Jimmy Jimmy Stewart Stewart um and I think he's I always love him whenever I see him in a movie. Um, and he plays. I it agree. So I know. I know some people aren't that keen on him. Really? I know. I, I know love some it. people aren't, but I I think he's fantastic. I haven't seen the uh, Jimmy Stewart film and disliked it. Although at least disliked him. Yeah, yeah. I think he's I, such a talented and charming actor. He's so good. Um, and he just, oh god, he's so good. And um, I ever seen that interview once where he. He did like a poem for his recently passed away dog. He did a poem. Yeah, he did like a poem like live on TV for like his dog that passed oh. away like, last week, and it was like, I, oh, I every time real emotions, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, this film is it's like a pretty long film, I think as well. It's and it's like uh, it's again sometimes like lethal weapon, weapon in some way, I guess like a really like kind of dark film for the first like a lot of it i would say <laughs> it's just really dark kind of not quite depressing but still quite it's just quite you know it's like someone's life not going to plan always like he is doing one thing that he really wants to do but that's also in the last moment something will happen which will change his entire life and make him not be able to do those things um and it's also it's very this is little small things that also kind of add to it where Yes, these are these are big problems he's got to deal with with the the bank and the loans and all these different things. But at the same time, he's got to, like come home at night and he has that like weird sort of uh, the thing on his staircase that keeps on wobbling around whenever he, whenever he like holds onto it. And it's kind of like, it's like little annoying thing that happens every once in a while, and it kind of builds each time. Wherever he goes up the staircase, it's like it gets more and more annoying of it to the point where like he throws it away at the end. <laughs> um, and it's like this. It's a film that. I can't believe I'm still doing this comparison, but it's still like Spider-Man 2, like that sort of thing of like, the life is his life is getting slowly worse throughout the entire film. Like it started out pretty bad, but it's getting worse and it's getting worse. And these little things are building up uh, on top of the big things. And it goes to this point where it's like, what's the point of any of it? And he has this moment of like just letting go. And it's Spider-Man 2 is like him not being the, you know, wearing this, this Spider-Man suit anymore. But also it's, um, in, this, in Wonderful Life, it's kind of like this weird kind of, and it's a very dark moment that everyone calls out for being yeah, every year on Twitter or whatever. It's always this big thing where it's one of life that's darker than you realize. I'm like, if, yeah, I know it's darker than I realize. <laughs> um, but it's just, yeah, he, he, if you if you say it every year, it can't yeah. be darker than we realize because we know it's pretty dark at this point. <laughs> exactly, right? Um, but yeah, he contemplates committing suicide for like for real. He's like literally about to into an ice cold river. And drown himself, I think. And again, it's like this weird kind of moment of like, ah, this is like this is the this is the low point. Like we've seen some low points in films where like the characters are lost before the third act twist or whatever you want to call it. Um, we've seen some pretty terror, like really downbeat, like actual endings as well. But having a a Christmas movie that's a classic and all that, and for the most part, 
and I'll keep on saying it's depressing, but for the most part, it is kind of like kind of a jovial, comedic back and forth between depressing and really happy movie. Mm. Um, how to get to that point where he is, you can't even you as an audience can't really see see another way out in terms of like he can go to, he's going to go to prison for this. <laughs> he's not like it's not his fault whatsoever what, what happened with the bank, um, and and then Clarence, this um, angel uh, figure who was set up in the beginning of the film, kind of comes into into play and kind of through very mystical means saws George Bailey the character um what the world would have been like if he didn't exist um and it's just this very emotional thing because it's not like he would have it's not like he you know with his presence he managed to stop poverty or <laughs> stop nuclear war it's more just like without him here he wouldn't people wouldn't be the town would have went the way of the the enemy of the film was his, uh, Potter, uh, I think Harry or not Harry, <laughs> not Harry, um, someone someone Potter, um, uh, who is like a very individual like kind of evil kind of money grab, grabbing guy, and the town kind of falls to to him, and it kind of becomes this kind of really like horrible place where. People that we normally love for the rest of the movie kind of become these like evil, not evil, but kind of like this dark mirror to themselves, where they're they're not no longer the happy bartender, they're more kind of like the drunk bartender, <laughs> or you know there are even cases where people would have lost their lives without Bailey without Bailey being there, mm-hmm. and he had, he didn't even have any idea really about it until this moment of like knowing what it would have been like if you if you weren't there, and it has like this and it gets and weirdly you think that that would make the movie more hopeful because you'd realize that he's useful in life but it gets so depressing like how the world would have been without him and it gets so horrific and at some point like this is like this horrific like choir in the background like the emperor's theme star wars <laughs> <laughs> and it gets so depressing and then to have that moment where he like kind of comes out of it uh and he comes out of it and he kind of has his like and it, it, I mean, it's, 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 it's just went from like the worst possible situation to not a great situation and still going to go to prison or whatever. But having that like kind of like, but at least he's alive. It <laughs> kind of like mm-hmm. having that feeling override anything else going forward is just a great moment in that film. And it's, it's and have the ending be a film, the ending have like all these good things kind of come back to kind of, I won't say pay off because it makes it seem like it's done for selfish reasons, but I feel like. Having a community, like, say to them, the guy that kind of helped them get through a lot of things, be like giving something back to him is an amazing moment. I feel it's a perfect ending to like a pretty much, I would say, a perfect film for me. And it's very meaningful. And it's probably one of not only favorite Christmas film, but one of my favorite films of all time. And yeah, god damn it. God damn it, man. <laughs> yeah, it's just, ah, yeah. It's just such, it based on that topic of, Everybody on this earth mm-hmm. wants to know that their life has that worth and meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that appeals to literally everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to have that presented in such a loving and perhaps sentimental way like yeah. this is, it just it captures something truly special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree, and I think it's, I think it's a great example to people in general audiences that don't quite. I would say I don't quite understand this, but you can have very lighthearted films that are very heartwarming and all these other things and not at all dark, and I think it works really well when they do it well. But mm-hmm. I feel like the movies that often, to me, are the most euphoric or the most, like, happy tears or whatever 
are the movies that like at some point get really dark you know um mm-hmm. like my favorite film spider-man 2 is a movie about a, a young 20 year old guy who is like getting really really depressed <laughs> for the most part and mm-hmm. then and having a moment of euphoria and having that contrast between darkness and light it makes both of them much more stronger you know yeah it's, uh, it's, it's something i've mentioned before and it's one of them things that i feel like if you want a filmmaker that completely understands that best in sort of the modern era you look at taika watiti films oh definitely yeah he mixes it so well um yeah and i think that's again georgia rabbit like what a great example of like just a film that you could i could easily see someone coming out of it and saying that's the most heartwarming film i've ever seen and another person coming out of it and saying that's the most depressing like thing ever <laughs> um and it's they're both completely right really and it's and again, you don't really notice the darkness in the movie or the lightness in the movie. You don't have like a comparison to what it could have been. Um, and it's yeah, I fucking love this movie <laughs> a lot, and I recommend it to anyone. And don't don't be one of those people that are like, oh, it's old and I can't. It's black and white and I can't. Just watch it, all right. You watch it. You won't be. And if you're worried about black and white, I'm almost a hundred percent sure there is a coloured version. <laughs> there is. There is. Yeah, it's a Blu-ray colour version. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's my last one. My favorite, my favorite Christmas film, and also one of my favorite Christmas films of all time, I guess, mm-hmm. as well. So, yeah. And that rounds off our wonderfully festive episode. Yeah. Our Christmas special. Christmas special. God damn it. <laughs> We're here again. Yeah. It's our... New Year beckons. <laughs> it's our uh, longest one in a while, I think. It is. Like in the, the last few, have been like an hour and a half, haven't they? Yeah. We're back on <laughs> two-hour tracks. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a bumper. We've got, got to treat the listeners. Yeah, yeah. It's a, an event. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So as, as we sort of bring it home, I'd like to say, you know, as we've been reaching the end of the year, mm. if you have been listening, thank you very much. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast, our ramblings. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we, we, we sort of restarted the podcast Sort of not the start of the pandemic. It was after a few months had gone by. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I've really enjoyed bringing it back, and I I hope it's been enjoyable for you. Yeah, I mean, it's just thing like really fun to do, isn't it? Because like you don't get that many opportunities to talk for two hours about what you like, <laughs> you know. No, you know it's true, and it's yeah, it's a really it's a really good opportunity, and it's an opportunity I will treasure for a very long time. I think. Yeah, I think yeah, same here. I mean. And if you're listening and you're actually enjoying it and keep on keep on coming back as well, like thanks a lot, you know, like really, like generally, like really, you know, deepest thanks because like that's amazing that anyone would listen to us too <laughs> for this long <laughs> <laughs> um, about movies and stuff. Like that. Um, yeah, this is yeah, it's been great. <laughs> yeah, it has been really great, and we hope to continue it. Yeah, for as long as possible until we're dead. <laughs> Until we have flogged it. Yeah, until we sell it off to Disney. <laughs> uh, and who knows? Maybe they maybe I'll keep us on. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> we might just be like producing it. <laughs> maybe we'll see. Yeah. Yes. Um, thank you for listening to this Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to any of the episodes. Yeah. Even ones you didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sticking with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. Happy Christmas. Yeah. And a Merry New Year. <laughs> yep. Switched them around. Look at that. Yeah. Subversive. Yeah. 
seriously, have a wonderful Christmas. Yeah. Have a wonderful New Year. Yeah. Thank you for listening, and we'll uh, you'll hear from us again. Yeah. Soon. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you.